try again, say something. Um, I continue to be unimpressed with the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season two. Hello and welcome to the Raising Helmets podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Carrie. And we're back. It's been kind of a long break, huh? Yeah, I think our last one was Valentine's Day. I feel like you're legally obligated to talk about how long it's been since you last podcasted in order to start a new podcast episode. It's an icebreaker. It's either that or, like, you tell a weird story. I guess so. Um, Do you have any weird stories? Well, I was going to tell a sort of boring anecdote about how, (laughs) you know, maybe you think it's boring, similar to how everyone says talking about the weather is boring. Uh-huh. But I actually find talking about the weather interesting. It's a main source of subject matter for me and several people that I'm close to. This is the worst intro we've ever done. What's your boring story? Um, well, whenever I email with my Nana, oh my we gosh. talk about the weather. Do you? That's good. Yeah, she she updates me on what's happening in her garden and her woods. Uh-huh. And I like it a lot. And I'm always interested in the weather people are having. Yeah. No, okay, so I take it back. Not always. Especially if no. it's predictable. But like right. I like asking like, people about the weather and their like thoughts say, about it. Like say, if they lived in California, it might be predictable. Hot um, and dry and prone to fire. Yeah, I guess so. Well, all right. You know what? We're a minute into this podcast. It's good so far. <laughs> I have a story about the weather, too. No regrets yet. All right, what's your story? Which is, my mom asked me how the weather was, and I said, oh, it's great. It's basically t-shirt weather over here. And then I said, how's the weather over there? And she goes oh, you know, it's been really cold. We've had to wear sweaters. And so then I looked up the weather at both places, and it, and it was, was the, the same, same weather. weather. <laughs> um, see? Weather there can we go. be good content. Yeah, two minutes of content weather. You know, what weather I, content. you know what I like is that video of the weather reporter who's standing out and, like, I don't know, is it sleet or something like that? And then the yeah. stop sign just smacks him in the face. Just smacks him in the face. There's a lot of good videos of <laughs> weather, weather reporters getting beaten up. I there's a whole movie about weather reporters getting underrated public servants. Let me be the first to say, in case Groundhog you have any Day. weather reporter um, listeners, but it All is right. a pretty funny genre. All right, so. I don't mean to nitpick, but are we definitely calling weather reporters public servants? Well, the ones who have to like stand out in the weather instead of standing in front of a green screen are. I don't know. The green that, screen that seems to stretch it. I don't know. I, don't I just know. I, I look at that and go, oh, I wouldn't want that job. Yeah, well, you'd have to not wear green every day. Because it's like one thing if you're standing out in some kind of extreme condition to report on some sort of, like, harrowing uh, human story, right? But if you're just standing out in the rain to be like, it's very rainy. Yeah. That, that's that's got to not... be a little demoralizing. That would suck, yeah. They should have invented robots. I guess I should say I don't really watch the Weather Channel, so all I know from the Weather Channel is those blooper Right? Real YouTube Yeah. You, you didn't really grow up with local news, did you? Mm-mm. We didn't have really any television. The only things we watched, I feel like I've said it before on the podcast, are America's Funniest Videos and the presidential debates. That is so sad. <laughs> I mean, if he's great. I had a great. very happy childhood, Kyle. Yeah, I guess. I watched, I watched MASH in the morning, and then my mom found out that I did that and said stop. But I was too young to understand why it was inappropriate. Mm. And now I remember nothing about it. That's my, my TV story as a child. You know we what? Had... I watched National Geographic. That was a show? The channel. Oh, wait. Animal, Animal Did Planet. you watch the one with the lizard guy? The gecko the or whatever? Guy. Oh, um, 
Okay, I think I'm mixing things up here because National right. Geographic made DVDs with the Chameleon guy. In yeah, them. yeah. So I watched those, but what I meant to say that is that I watched Animal Planet. Okay. At my grandpa's house. Well, I think those were on Animal Planet. They yeah. probably were, but like Animal Planet had the Crocodile Hunter, right, and all that good stuff. It's funny we've covered the first two people who I remember dying, who I was sad about. I kid you not, was Steve Irwin, mm-hmm. and. Um, an old guy on KTL, KTLA 5 local news called Hal Fishman Aww. <laughs> who gave little kind of old person rants that for whatever reason I just really liked to the point where I remember like recording them specifically so that I could watch them. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I have never heard this story and before. It's very sweet. I can't remember what it was, but he got some sort of cancer or something and he died like two weeks after he found out about it. Wow. How old yeah. were you? Um, I couldn't have been older than, like, nine, I think. Wow. I don't know. When was when Tebow, was, I think? When was he on? Like, 9.47 or something like that. Like, in the morning or evening? In the evening. It was okay. a local evening news. But, there you go. <laughs> That's really sweet. Yeah. R.I.P. Hal Fishman. It's been a while. And Steve Irwin. I tried to find clips of this Hal guy, and I could not on YouTube. Wow, you probably have the only recordings of his work. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's new with the with, with the boys? Uh, uh, one one thing that I'm into, there, mm-hmm. I have some pros and cons. Pro is that Joseph can say "mama" now. Right, right. Um, at seven months old, Rory also set looked up at me. Um, I was changing his diaper in the airport in Las Vegas on this my way to California. My favorite story of all time. <laughs> And, um, seven months old, Rory looks up at me and goes, mama. And I'm like 90% sure it was a coincidence, but I kind of made a big fuss about it. I was like, oh, it's your first word. And this lady nearby, uh, heard, she maybe even had a drink in her hand. I don't know. It's in the bathroom at the airport. (laughs) Maybe I'm embellishing, but (laughs) I feel like it's a good detail. And, um, she was like, oh, how old is he? What's his name? He's so cute. All that. All that usual stuff. And yeah. I was like, oh, I think he said his first word. I think he just said mama. And she was like, wow. And then she kind of spaced out and wandered away. And I heard her say, and to think it happened in the airport in Florida. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was Vegas. It was in Vegas. That's so good. Um, But not to steal Joseph's thunder. Yeah. He has also been saying mama. It's great because he said he would just say mmm in this real annoying sort of, yeah, yeah. grating voice. And you're like, ah, oh, that letter is the worst. And then he switched to mama and all of a sudden it's good again. He still does the fussing, but oh, yeah. he's discovered he has a voice. Yeah. And he's been experimenting with different sounds. And his, one of his favorites right now is the mama. And he doesn't just go mama, mama. It's like mama. Yeah. Mama. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. So that's a pro. Uh-huh. Con is some teething. Yeah, teething forever. But his bottom tooth is popping through. Yeah, he's got one tooth, which is, like, good because he's in less pain from that specific tooth. Yeah. And bad because now he can, like, bite things. Yeah. With a little bit more uh, damage. He's a playful kid. He can't crawl yet, but he likes to sort of doggy pile on you. So if he's sitting mm-hmm. next to you, he just kind of dives through your face. Yeah, he likes to grab your head. He likes to, like bite your face or sort of latch yeah. onto it with his mouth he's already kind of parasite he's already holding his own with rory which is amazing yeah i mean rory can fully climb on top of him and joseph is just like laughing and enjoying it until all of a sudden he's not so you sort of have to monitor it closely yeah 
Murray's getting better at figuring out what to do, though. Mm-hmm. Joseph does not seem to mind being, like, fully sat on and, like, rolled. <laughs> He, he knows his he knows his duty as a younger brother. <laughs> this is his lot in life. He does make a good punching bag. He's very soft and fluffy. Rory? Joseph. Oh. Yeah, that makes more sense. We looked up videos of Rory when Rory was Joseph's age, and Rory was such a leaner model. About half the size of Joseph. Seriously, yeah. And Rory was a lot more agile, which makes sense. But Joseph is just, he totally is, I mean, he mm-hmm. uses his weight pretty well, so... Yeah, like at three or four months old, Rory could hold himself in a standing position pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, that probably went away as he gained some weight, but then he got it back quickly. Mm -hmm. And Joseph is just nowhere near, has no interest in standing upright and holding on to something. Yeah, he's he's working on the idea of being mobile, but Mm -hmm. it'll be a little while still. He likes diving from a seated position. Yep, he definitely likes to do that. Definitely does. Um, Rory's asking questions now. Mm-hmm. This is a fun thing we could do an entire podcast on, honestly. Because th- babies, when they're talking, mostly just make assertions. They'll point to something and say doggy and then wait for you to correct them. You know? Like, that's how they... Or to affirm them. Yeah. That's how what they say, how they use words to learn things, for the most part, for a very long time, I found mm-hmm. out, at least with Rory. And then he'll ask questions, but they're not really inquisitive questions. They're like... I like, want can something. I have this? Yeah. Or can you do that? Where are you? Yeah. Which is a question, but it really just means I want you or I want to know where you are. Mm-hmm. Versus like wanting to learn about things, right? Which mm-hmm. Rory's recently started doing. It's really great, but he, he'll he nest them. What was the one that went super far? You were like... Oh, yeah. He was like, oh, why do you have to go to work? Yeah. I said, yeah. I said <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't play because I had to go to work. And then he said, why? And I said, so I could get a paycheck. And he said, what? Why you get a paycheck? And... You're like, so we can have money. And he's like, why? So we can buy food. Why? Yeah. So we can eat it. Why? Well, at that point, he actually gave in. Once I, (laughs) once he, once I was like, so we can be full of food, he was like, all right, that seems like a good. Like, Like, he actually got to a point where he had had to accept it, which is a rookie mistake. He's going to conclude his investigation. Yeah, for the time being. He'll reopen it shortly. Uh, Speaking of investigations, you want to talk about some, uh, some, some docket? items oh boy what has that fbi been up to well it's not is it oh yeah it is the fbi isn't it for whatever reason for a split second i thought it was the department of education (laughs) is not how is not how those agencies work um but in the news recently has been a whole bunch of famous and rich people who basically bribed their way into their kids ways into colleges Mm -hmm. um i had a hot take while your mom was visiting that you're that right that Lorelai Gilmore totally there. would have bribed Rory's way into college. We so Kyle has only seen bits and pieces yeah. of Gilmore Girls. Yeah, and I get what you mean because she's willing to sort of talk her way into most situations, but um, she is sort of anti-rich and hates going to her parents for money. So I think she wouldn't have been a fan of the use all of our money to solve solve our problems right solution yeah i appreciated how your mom was like no i don't think that is correct and you should not say that (laughs) especially not online and yet here i am um there There are better takes well there have been a lot of really good takes from like a societal you know class 
warfare the, sort the of discourse. <laughs> yeah yeah lots of people being like wait this isn't fair i don't like this one celeb the other day was boasting about how his kid got into an ivy league school all by herself and then somebody was like wait didn't you donate like 400 grand and he was like oh right i guess i did do that <laughs> i forgot maybe that's, that's why she amazing. got into college yeah it's you know it's good in the bribery was bad, but also the attention it's given to people who do this sort of legal bribery has also been good, I think. We watched a movie about this. It was not a hard-hitting documentary. It was a Legally chick flick blonde. starring Tina Fey and Paul Rudd. And we picked it specifically because it had Paul oh, Rudd yeah. in it. Do you remember? Right. It's called, like, Admissions or that something like that. That wasn't about this. Well, it was... Oh. So she worked yeah. in the admissions department. To of, get her... Yeah. And um, she... She was really excited to get the job, but then she sort of had to learn painfully how the sausage is made because she would find these amazing kids. She's like, oh, this kid is so cool, and he's so disadvantaged, and he could do so well at our school. And then other people would be like, yeah, but this kid has a lot of money. It was um, is that maybe how that not went great down? commentary. I mean, elements of it that wasn't the what most of the movie was about. Most of the movie was about watching Paul Rudd work with that's, disadvantaged children. That's all I remember <laughs> from this movie, so... Um, anyway, I, I was... I was The reason I brought this one up was I was... I've been thinking about the the parent who... who had somebody take their kids' SATs for them, mm -hmm. um, but still went through the trouble of making a fake proctor so that the kid would think that they took the SATs themselves. Mm -hmm. um, because the idea... They already have everything that they, like, need to have a life, right? Mm -hmm. The idea is to give this kid this sense of accomplishment and dignity and worth and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's so rooted in, the, like, this idea that you should do whatever's best for your kid and even that you should do it at, at any cost, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that's really messed up, that that's what, she, that's what that parent thinks is best for their kid. Right, that going to, like, one specific college or one in a small grouping of colleges. Or colleges at all, right? I was thinking about, um, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell who said something about how, like, it. I can't remember where he went to school. The only thing I remember when he was talking about college is that it wasn't a specific, you know, name on his degree, and it wasn't a professor, and it wasn't, like, a specific class or degree path he had. It was, like, one dude who was his roommate who, like, um, truly changed the course of his life and inspired him to do X, which led to Y, and, like, that's where he is. That's why he is where he is today sort of deal. I don't remember yeah. any details, but I do remember that he was, like, it's just one random dude who happened to meet at college who he ended up, I don't know, going into business with later or something like that. Yeah. So it didn't matter. It doesn't matter where you go to school. The one thing that... Um, changes your life or inspires you or um creates like an obstacle that you overcome and sends you down your specific life path like whatever it is there's a very small chance that it's going to be the specific college you go to like you never know who you're going to be there with who you might meet who you might not meet right so it's just it's really dumb to think that going to a particular school is going to make or break your life so i think i think that makes an excellent point which is that I think if you're a parent, what you want to do is 
put your child in front of as many of those possibilities as possible mm-hmm. and hope as many of them stick as as they can right mm-hmm. like you want to put your kid in scenarios where they're going to gather opportunities right yeah and so if you have a very narrow mindset and you say well i want my kid to become a doctor or i want my kid to go to a top law school and then Ugh. be a judge someday right like you really limit i know it's terrible uh you really limit what the options that that kid has but mm-hmm. i mean i really appreciated how my parents just kind of stuck us in front of things until they found something that seemed to click for us mm-hmm. and for like for me it was debate and the next one down it was robotics and the next one down it was music and then the next one down it was theater and then the next two we haven't quite figured out yet but we're starting to figure it out right they're talented they're right. certainly talented yeah yeah um but I, I think it comes down to like a fundamental misunderstanding of your identity as separate from your child's identity um because if you if you view your child as their own person with dignity who's going to make their way in life and, um, you know, regardless of what you do, they're going to be in charge of themselves for the majority of their lifetime and you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to control their life decisions anymore. I think as a parent, what you, the, what you can want most for your child is, if you know, if you're if you're religious, you can want them to be saved, and other than that, you can just want them to be happy. But um, and, and that fundamentally alters the way you view them and their life options. But if you want them to be an accessory or an extension of you and fulfill some dream you have or be some kind of like status symbol for yourself, then you're going to push them into a specific career path or, or one of a couple or something like that. And, and that, to me, shows a really kind of scary um, misunderstanding of, like, what it means to be your own child. Yeah. It's not necessarily selfish, but it is self-centered. Right. Like, you you can you can do it to the detriment of yourself, and a lot of these parents seem to have done so. They've, they've, they've uh, sacrificed a whole lot for their children, admirably or not, but... In the end, it's really not in service of their child. Yeah. I think thinking of it this way is also... It's a little bit of a load off, honestly, that a lot of the... I mean, a lot of the decisions you'll face as a parent, you can plan out like 15 years in advance. But if you do it this way, it's kind of... I mean, all we have to do right now is figure out what we're going to do with the boys for the next year or two or so. You go from there. Yeah. Um... I'm really excited we got Rory into your preschool, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. I'm glad he's going. Um, but I don't have any aspirations to, like, high academic achievement that he will uh, that he will um, be smarter because he's gone to my preschool or that he'll have a leg up or that it'll be on his baby resume or whatever. <laughs> but I would hope that he's going to be able to because I think that's what I like about that preschool is that it allows kids to figure out what they're interested in and sort of develop themselves a little bit. It does, yeah. I, I, can, I feel sort of self-conscious and defensive when I talk about, you know, I'm a Reggio Emilia or I, I'm a teacher working in a, in a preschool that's like a part-time half-day thing and it's inspired by the Reggio Emilia philosophy from Italy and it, I think that can all sound sort of like 
like white people nonsense. <laughs> but um, what I like about it is that it's not, we're not here to like take children and form them into perfect future doctors and lawyers. We're just here to like welcome children into a community and one in which we think of them as being very dignified and that they have the right to explore and to research and to learn how to collaborate with their peers. And um, that's what we're there to facilitate. We're not, we, we don't claim that our babies learn their shapes faster than the, the other babies. Right. Well, I think that's, yeah, I think there's, that's what we want. Yeah, there's a lot of number sense and literacy that come along with, um, with um, these kinds of explorations and curriculum. But it it doesn't it doesn't have to be your primary goal because th there's plenty of time for that later. Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember where I saw it, but I saw a chart or something that was just like it, it was just about how a lot of people are kind of viewed as child geniuses, and all that means is that they got to the top of the learning curve first and then hung there. Mm -hmm. So when they get to 18 or 20, they're just as smart as anybody else. They just have been there for a long time and. I think some of them were complaining that they didn't feel, you know, then they never actually had to study, right? Yeah. So they didn't learn good habits, all of that. I I don't know how much I believe that, that as much as just people were lazy and good at test taking or whatever. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think that's what the goal of a parent when they see that their child is good at something shouldn't be to utilize that to like get their child very far along in that particular area. They should utilize that to see how they can have their child live a more fulfilling childhood, I think. So if your kid can read earlier, you should throw a bunch of books at them. Mm -hmm. If your kid's really math-oriented, like, you should sign them up for the kind of fun stuff that they're really going to enjoy. Uh, yeah. That seems like a better way of doing it. I, I think that, um, like, schooling can be so diversified in that you want to get in your art and you want to get in your literacy and your history and your STEM and all that, but... Like you said, it all sort of evens out. Like, if if you're just really struggling on one particular thing, like you won't you won't reach adulthood not able to do addition and subtraction, right? But um, you can cause a lot of stress and and trauma on kids trying to force this stuff early. And it's um, in my opinion, my professional opinion, um, childhood is a really special time, and it's when where you're free from a lot of a lot of stressors and responsibilities that adults don't have, and so why not use it to just really go in depth on what a child is interested in? Like in my preschool right now, we're doing birds, and it's awesome because it's springtime and there's birds everywhere on our playground, and so we're not doing letter of the week, you know, we're not we're not practicing handwriting worksheets or whatever. We're like literally going out and feeding bird feeders and we're taking binoculars around and we're looking at bird guides and um, we're, we're using magnifying glasses to look at nests and we're stringing Cheerios on yarn to hang out. Like we've got literacy and fine motor and number sense all wrapped up in there, but the kids are so into it and I'm getting pretty into it too. Yeah. You know, so many bird calls. <laughs> what, say say a bird sound. Tell us what bird it is. Well, okay, so I, I w the moment that got me hooked on birds was when we were outside on the playground and the kids were like, I want to see a blue jay. And so we have these cool books where you can like dial in a number and it'll corresponding to a page and it'll make the bird sound or whatever. And so there was this like, ah, wah, 
noise. And then I was like, oh, I can actually hear that coming from that tree. And so we, like, followed it until we found the blue jay. They make this. It's not like a crow. It's it's sweeter than that. Um, I, I'm not able to make bird calls very well. That was pretty good. That sounded like a bird to me. <laughs> We're going to uh, have some somebody who's like, that's nothing like a blue jay. I hope, and right. I hope we have some bird fanatic. That we can, Please uh, email me. Give me your bird tips. <laughs> well, this is fantastic content. You want to move on to another docket item? Sure. Okay. Are you ready for this? We're gonna play a game. Oh. And oh boy. So this kind of docket item. And we're gonna. The game is called. The game. Game is called. When would you file? I'm going to tell you a thing that the defendant did. Mm-hmm. And I want you to tell me when you, the plaintiff, would sue. Okay. Okay, is this from your work? Because I'm pretty sure that breaks confidentiality. It's definitely not. Okay. I wish it was. I wish it was because the plaintiff is recurring plaintiff of this show, In and Out Burger, and the, the defendant. The plaintiff is In and Out. Yes. The def- remember, remember when they sued the beer company for the oh uh-huh. the In and Out shake things? It's similar to that. Okay. It's different. All right. So the defendant is Puma. Do you know who Puma is? Is it a kind of sneaker? Yeah, it's a shoe company. Okay. All right, all right. So when would you sue? Okay. All right. So you're gonna keep telling me things, and I gotta say yeah. when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tell you things about their new shoe. Okay. Okay. The new shoe is white. Oh, right there. All right. <laughs> in and out has clearly <laughs> cornered the market on white. Uh huh. It has a red. I'm gonna show you, but I'm gonna describe it for the folks. It has a red stripe along the like the sole thing on the side. Okay, like a double red stripe. Yeah, double red stripe. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it has I mean, some. It's similar to the converse, right? It's a riff yeah. on the converse, the one stripe. So no, so so far no suit, right? <sighs> no. I All right. Not. So the only other color it has is yellow, which looks uh-huh. kind of like the in and out sort of yellow color, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of along the sides of the. I'll include a link in the description too for you folks playing along at home. If in and out employees didn't have to wear black shoes, I would say this is our. This right. is looking like a potentially great, um, you know, footwear option. Uh huh. So you'd say it reminds you of In and Out, but you wouldn't. It would. Sue. It would blend in seamlessly. All right. All right. Here's the next. Here's the next thing. I don't know if this is going to be the trigger for you. The name of the shoe is the Cali O Drive Through Shoe. Cali O. Okay. Is there a hyphen in there? Yeah. Yeah. It's Cali C A L C A L I dash O Drive Through Shoe. Okay. Um. First of all, we always have to say it's like a disclaimer. Nobody calls it Cali. Uh huh. Uh huh. No, no Californian. Right. No true it. Californian. Uh, Calio drive-through. I'm trying to think like what the other Calio drive-through could possibly be. It could be Sonic. It could be Shake Shack. Sonics no, are everywhere. It could be the Habit. The Habit doesn't drive-through, does it? I don't know if I've I, ever been to a drive-through. I habit. don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, you've really narrowed it down at that point, right? I mean, if, mm-hmm. if you think California Burger I mean, a joint, white and red shoe, Calio uh-huh. drive-thru, it's, uh-huh. it, it, it's pretty clear what they're going for at this point. Yeah, so you think maybe you would Did sue... I say white and black, white and red. White and red, yeah. Okay, now the last detail of the shoe, mm-hmm. along the along the bottom of the shoelaces are a bunch of, <laughs> of red palm trees uh-huh. that are clearly identical to the In-N-Out palm tree logo. Right. Yeah. Um... It's a cute shoe. You should get one. They cost $120. You know what? Treat yourself. <laughs> well, I don't think I can because I think they've already shut it down. Oh, no. I think in and out one that lost Gotta go on eBay. Uh-huh. And find find my Calio shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm all right. I think it's Lent. I don't. I think I should be a little bit more 
a bit more conservative. Right, well, I'll look and then I'll put it, put it in your Easter basket. Okay. <laughs> Sounds terrifying. You know what? Frankly, uh, this is probably going to disappoint you, but I wouldn't sue because I feel like at that point they're just subliminally advertising for me. Okay, well, here's the last catch, though, is that shoe sellers have been saying that it is a partnership between In-N-Out and Puma, when it is not. Oh, okay. So, I mean, that has nothing to do with the construction of the shoe itself, but yeah, you right. can do that. But, I mean, Puma is not having, telling them to do that. They're just doing that on their own accord, because <clears> that's what they think it is. This is a great it's segue so into introducing our new partnership <laughs> with In-N-Out. <laughs> <laughs> having learned nothing from this anecdote, I'm extremely excited to announce our sponsor. We're going to get sued. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, our, uh, I don't see any white shoes with red anim- stripes. Our animal style podcast. Um, another piece of news on the docket. YouTube shuts down comments on kids' videos. You can no longer comment <laughs> on kids' videos. Amazing that it was ever I know. Thing. That was my first thought was you could comment on kids' videos <laughs> ever. Yeah. That's terrifying. Well, you heard about you heard about Momo, right? Well, I mean, right? we did a whole episode on why the idea of YouTube up for kids is problematic. That's why I wanted. That's why I wanted to flag this, and I wanted to talk about. Momo. Oh, are we talking about Momo? We're, we're briefly talking about Momo. Oh no! Here's the thing about Momo. It doesn't exist. Right. But it's the spooky character that did. you can blame all of the scary stuff about YouTube on. Exactly. Like, oh, YouTube is bad because Momo. Right. So oh, Momo's I'd, not real. Okay. YouTube I'd like is to point out. Now. I'd like to point out our YouTube podcast was pre-Momo. Right, mm-hmm. and that our anger, fear, and general anxiety was totally justified based on actual content, mm-hmm. and all of the weird, weird stuff that went on after Momo is not our. We're not. We didn't fall for it, folks. My favorite thing is the letter from like a principal <laughs> of an elementary school, and if it was made up, I still like it because it was really funny. Where the where the principal's like. You may be aware that certain internet platforms can be dangerous for children, even uh, such as YouTube, Fortnite, and Peppa the Pig. <laughs> Only exactly one of those is a platform. For... <laughs> Famed internet platform, Peppa the Pig. Peppa the Pig. Well, you know, you got to diversify in Actually, today's I economy. I think it's just Peppa Pig. Peppa the Pig? Peppa Pig? I think it's Peppa Pig. I guess so. Yeah, we don't say Winnie Pooh. There was, some, there was something else. It was like, oh yes, it is, it is unknown how these uh, <laughs> these clips can be inserted into YouTube videos, and it is impossible to say ahead of time which YouTube videos have the clips embedded within them. It's so great. <laughs> I, I'm coming back to this again and again in my life, which is that you have to feel bad for anybody who was like pre-internet, who grew up before the internet, because you never could have seen that coming. And lots of people yeah. just don't have, just couldn't figure it out. And that's not their fault. We've never had a the internet before. I think the internet and I have the same birth year, roughly. Well, it depends on what you define as the internet. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So that that leaves my age ambiguous. But. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I do think about what what it must be like to have a concept of what life is like without the internet. Yeah. I have no concept of that. And it's, um. It must be just a completely different conceptualization. One of one of my coworkers started work um, in the early '80s, I guess, mm-hmm. and he will tell me stories about like they had a bunch of secretaries and typewriters and stuff, 
And that's just terrifying. I have no idea how anything got done pre-1992. Well, I've seen Mad Men. Right, you know everything about it. It's mostly just people getting up to naughty stuff. Right, right. Well, what are you going to do? And then the internet came along and all of that was solved. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, do, I do want to say, and not only because I think she listens to the podcast, but my grandma has been especially impressive at understanding the internet and has generally been competent and <laughs> only posts reasonable things on Facebook, which there's like five grandmas who only post reasonable things on Facebook. And she's one of them. And you're yeah. I have one more thing on my docket and then we can clear it out, which is that a dog caught a frisbee and broke a new record for longest frisbee dog throw. That, the that dog threw me. the frisbee? No. How you throw the frisbee and the dog uh-huh. catches it. Does the dog have to start next to you? Um, so I think the way it worked was the dog had to be behind you when the frisbee left your hand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I think. So what, what was the distance? 83 you know? yards. Yards. Oh yeah. my goodness. I was going to be impressed almost when you said full, feet. Almost a full football field. It was a beautiful video. Link in the show notes. I just had to share it. Because the limitation there is actually, I think, more on the thrower than the dog. Uh-huh. Right? Because it seemed like the thrower was throwing as far as possible. Right. Well, if the dog can get that far, the dog could certainly get farther. Yeah, I thought so. Maybe not much because it seemed like it was booking it. And then it only had like a couple seconds, maybe less, that it was like hesitating under the frisbee. It's a good video. I'll show it to you. Okay. It's good content. Have you ever heard that thing about how frisbee dogs are like legally obligated to wear bandanas? I have not. I don't think it's actually a legal thing, but I read a book as a kid about dogs. And it was like, if you're a frisbee dog, you have to wear a bandana. That's just the rules. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, okay, frisbee dogs, bandanas, got it. This was probably written pre-internet when they couldn't just check these things. <laughs> I don't know, but like, think about it. Have you ever seen a dog chase a frisbee that wasn't wearing a bandana? Yeah, my family has a dog that chases frisbees, Ooh. and I've never seen it wear a bandana. Don't let the dog frisbee uh, regulating uh, committee hear about that. <laughs> I'm so excited for this to actually exist. We just haven't known about it all along. All right. I just got a message from my mom that says they just landed at the airport. So (laughs) I have to go now. Oh. But it's been nice hanging out. It has been nice. Yeah. Going to bed. You're going to the airport. Mm -hmm. It's all good. It's great. It's good stuff. (sighs) This is a good podcast. What time are we at? I think so. 38 minutes. Oh, almost 40 minutes. That's actually pretty decent. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope I made sense. Yeah, you made sense. Hope we you enjoyed the jokes. Am I going to have to edit out? But we were doing so well. Now we're just going to... No, no editing is necessary. All right, good, good. We, this is our unvarnished, unvarnished conversation Yeah. that we have with each other. Exactly. On our couch. And like 20 of our, our listeners. Friends. All 20 of you guys. Yeah. We love you. And... Um... Go on. <laughs> Keep it. Keep it. What's the smart. line? Keep, keep it holy. Keep it smart. Keep it holy. Keep it on brand. <laughs> that could not be our slogan. That is terrible. That is terrible. Tried to have somewhere between one and three Pinocchios. One and three Pinocchios. Fact check. We just gotta end this. We All just right. gotta end it. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. I I I will not. Don't eat